to Moving Through Menopause. I'm so happy to welcome my friend, Serena Evans. Serena is a practice nurse. Welcome, Serena. It's lovely. Thank you. Thank you, Philippa. Nice to be with you. You know, the practice nurse is often the first course of call when we visit the doctor. And, uh, and sometimes that's for our well woman checks. Welcome, if you're listening, watching. And so we're kicking off today talking about HRT, to HRT or not to HRT. And so the first thing really, you know, how do we know that we are menopausal or perimenopause and when to intervene? So like we were just saying, you know, lots of women might come to see the practice nurse for the regular well woman checks, the, uh, the good old smear test. And so this is sometimes a time that you might spot uh, a change perhaps. The majority of women who come for their smear, they do tend to know if they are not premenopausal. They will start, well, I don't know. Um, usually the consultation if have gone to have their smear done, usually is any changes, any anything that, you know, is different from last time, you had your smear regularly, uh, is anything that you want to ask, is anything a problem and they soon enough will know that their periods are all over the place which is your premenopausal sign night sweats which are not very nice uh, anxiety one of the things that a lot of the women don't realize all of a sudden they'll come and say i don't know i'm just so anxious and i've never been anxious before ever i don't know what's going on and then i go through all the other symptoms and soon enough we find out that actually is a premenopausal or perimenopausal symptom. And so uh, obviously vaginal dryness is part of this potentially, part of this picture and that's that's where the smear test comes in because you know it might have been, although uh, it's, it's not something that you write on your bucket list is it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It might have been that it was tolerable uh, and, uh, you know, and then all of a sudden it's not quite as tolerable as it used to be. And so this is this is a reason why sometimes you might be the first person to have this discussion with a woman that, that you know, you're, you're up close and personal and you start to notice that there are other symptoms appearing. And I mean, to be honest, for me, it was really much more around the sleep. Uh, the hot sweats and uh, and the memory. Oh my goodness, that that still is a concern. So you know, basically, over and above anything else that might be used, we we talk about the symptoms being a diagnostic tool. Exactly. And, and so it's really based on the symptoms that we might choose to intervene. Yes. Yes, and you are right. Um, quite often we will forget that we have those symptoms i would have women who turn up for their smear and you, you start your consultation have you had this and have you had the other and then it comes to the procedure itself and then all of a sudden you know you see this panic on the woman's face saying oh this didn't used to hurt before what's going on and then when 
you slowly start unpacking how you're finding your sexual life. Do you find sex difficult? Do you find it more painful than in the past? And then, you know, slowly it appears that tends to be one of them that is forgotten. We kind of live with it. We learn to live with it. And then you find yourself at a procedure that was normal and that alarms you. And yes, and then we go from there. So basically, the indications for hormone replacement therapy, the, the top one, that, as far as I understand it, is the management of the, uh, the hot flushes. Is that your experience? Well, how long is a list of symptoms in menopause? You know, some women say that it's not long enough. And definitely everyone is different. Yes, hot flashes is one but then you have urinary symptoms because of the vaginal dryness, which actually is not a urinary infection, it's just the dryness that gives that sensation and makes you feel like you need to go to toilet more often, but actually you don't. So there are a lot of changes, it's not just hot flash, and some women don't necessarily have hot flashes, they have other mm. symptoms. Well, this is it. But, but you know, for me, in my, on my journey, it seems to me that whenever I spoke to the doctor, if I wasn't having hot flushes, I didn't qualify for HRT, okay? So they were much more <laughs> likely to give me an antidepressant for the fact that I couldn't sleep and uh, I was anxious and low mood and uh, occasional hot flush, which, you know, for me was the least of my problems and so the GP was definitely not keen to part with the HRT based on those symptoms and that it did seem to hinge around the, the, uh, the thermal regulation piece of the puzzle but you're saying that's not the case yeah it's having the right person to talk with I know they're all GPs and they're well trained but they all have an area of expertise and finding that person who in your surgery doing uh, women's health and he's doing the coils, he's doing the fittings and so on. They are the ones who actually have more expertise and deal more. And men GP, there's nothing wrong with a man GP. They are very good. But even they say themselves that women not necessarily are going to go and talk with a man about menopause problems. So therefore, they are updated, but maybe not that updated. Or the update was longer than it should have been. They know about it, but they don't know what's on the market. They don't know necessarily in detail more I mean, than someone who's got an interest in it. Yeah, well, exactly. So if, you, if you're an interested party, you, you undertake the regular updates, you, you take the training when it's offered. Um, mm. And so there is this huge variation. And I'm a physiotherapist, a healthcare professional, and, and I know you know across the board there is huge variation because we all have our area that we are of particular interest so and, and i think exactly. that's right that you you want to be seeking out somebody who who has that uh, degree of expertise who has undertaken the most recent updates yeah. uh, in the training and i know that you you completed an update recently yeah. you know did anything come out of that 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 had changed as far as you were concerned the, all the research that there was done a while ago in the late 90s, early 2000s, and which discredited, tried to discredit HRT to make it like this dangerous tablet, dangerous treatment, who 
which would put our life at risk and all the rest of it, which you all heard of it, and we all just stay back. I mean, we have that generation of women who, like you say, HRT is like, you know, panic just set in and you could hear it. Uh, I would just cope as my grandmother did and kind of think, well, how do you know how your grandmother did cope with it? Because they didn't talk about it. You know, it was all hush, hush and do not talk. So, yeah. Um, so all that has been proven not to be true. And yes, there are some risks. Yes, there is there is no more than your combined pill for the contraception. So having a healthy BMI, um, if you had history of clots, then yes, the combined HRT, because there are so many other types of HRT, you know, you can have pessaries, you can have creams, and they all have an effect and it will help you. You don't have to necessarily take a tablet that will put you at risk. So that is what, yet again, that's been reinforced that actually, no, it's not a risk. Yes, as we grow older, we do have an increased risk for stroke and heart disease, but that is all combined with lifestyle mm. and actually exercise and diet. We all, regardless if we need HRT or not, we should have a healthy lifestyle because that prevents us from developing these diseases. But one thing that it did struck me as a woman, I would say, mm. um, that the studies that have been done following all kind of undoing the old research they've done more studies and hrt does reduces the risk of colorectal cancer and heart disease funnily enough and does reduce the risk of fractures to some extent of course if we take it early enough it prevents uh, dementia yeah, so this is this is interesting, isn't it? This is very mm. interesting. Yeah, uh, you know, so that actually it can have protective properties. Exactly. And, and we're talking protection of the heart, the bones, uh, yeah. the colon, which which is kind of not something that we necessarily would associate with HRT, but I am mm. aware of that. And mm. then, uh, like you said, if taken early enough. Okay, yeah, the brain. Yeah, and uh, and I am aware uh, of list with listening to podcasts and educating myself that there is a window of opportunity when it comes to the brain, yeah. and uh, and so currently, we're, you know, we're not entirely clear on what that window is, but but that there is suggestion that there is a window, and that if you um, if you don't intervene quickly enough the estrogen receptors in the brains will uh, close. So like a lock and key, the, the estrogen is the key and the lock in the brain um, will wither and and become non-receptive to, you know, so, it, so essentially the estrogen no longer has that brain protective effect. And so there's a lot of uh, research still to be done in this yes. area but there's absolutely no doubt so i was speaking with somebody yesterday who said really are only symptom i sailed through menopause i love to speak to women who say i sailed through menopause and, that, and you know i'm really happy for them but the fact remains that we're still living our lives without estrogen and so these potential uh, health consequences heart brain and uh, bone still exist 
Uh, yeah. and anyway, she sailed through, but she said the one thing was my memory, you know. And uh, and so now that she's been really interested and in learning more, and, and so she's thinking, hmm, HRT for the brain, I wonder, you know. I wonder, and, and so the, the thing, you know, the jury's out on that window, but what they do say is an indication for HRT is being under the age of 60, is that what yes. Yeah, 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 you don't really want to, I mean, someone who's almost gone through menopause. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so actually it's increased, it, there's a potential if you take it after the age of 60, having had nothing up until that point, potentially detrimental in terms of yeah. heart and stroke is uh, i think is what i'm uh, it, it does depend what they take again because yeah. if you just take a pessary oh yeah. you know i mean let's face it there are lots of women in their 60s who still want to have sex life you know yeah. why could i forget <laughs> i know <laughs> yeah okay you know so you can't have a pessary, you can't have a cream, you can have topical estrogen. And then of course we've got you know, the women who are uh, subject to breast cancer and the, the treatment that follows. And that's, exactly. a whole, that's a whole other conversation, isn't it? Yes, there is. Um, apparently, um, so in the last update I did, um, a specialist who was speaking, she said that with um, the cancer consultant on the board, so you don't do it just as a GP, you do it as a team, you can give a woman, again, um, that pessary and that cream to make a sexual life more pleasurable. And there are women who go quite early on in life through uh, breast cancer, which is triggered by uh, estrogen. Now I've got two colleagues and one of them uh, is in her late 30s, early 40s and one in early 50s and they've both gone through um, breast cancer and they survived, they come the other side and they're back at work. They're, I mean, you wouldn't think they're anything, they've gone through anything if you didn't know them before. Yeah, yeah. And I was talking about HRT with them and uh, uh, one is a GP, one is a, is a nurse. And she said, yes, I know the theory, but knowing that my cancer was triggered by estrogen, I would stay away even from a cream. Yes. So, uh, so, yeah, I mean, there are other options under those circumstances, but we, exactly. are, we are specifically speaking about HRT. You know, so, so the other thing, I suppose, that we mentioned the protective benefits for heart, bones and, uh, and the brain. I'm particularly interested in bones because of my background as a physiotherapist. We understand that HRT has this protective effect on bone, it protects against bone loss, but that it's not in the guidance to prescribe HRT to prevent bone loss. You know, we start to think about evaluating our risk of uh, osteoporosis, which is this loss of bone. And we talk about the FRACS score, the, um, yeah. the fracture risk score. Mm. And, uh, and so one of the key things that indicates your risk of fracture is having had a fracture. You know, and, and this is often the case that it's only when we've had a fracture, you know, that we start to, to, get, to get looked at. And actually I do have a, 
someone that I've worked with, a client of mine who had a hip fracture prematurely in her 40s and still at that point HRT wasn't a consideration as a, as a preventative measure. So, you know, mm. I feel like there's kind of a gap here. Definitely. And there's a known factor that actually a typical menopausal woman will be a bit more hunched down, um, but weight around the middle. I mean, yeah, and you cardiovascular disease go higher in risk because all the weight around the middle, which is sluggish metabolism, yeah. and then you, you fracture that makes you look, you know, that kind of hunched woman. And who wants to look hunched? No, me, thank you. And, but this is not sexy, is it? It's not sexy to talk about bones. It's like bones, everybody starts to nod off if you start to talk about bones. But, but actually, you know, there's quite a strong familial connection. Yeah. Uh, so this is one of the indications HRT is, this strong uh, connection between familial uh, risk of bone loss. So if there's somebody in your family, you know, look through the albums, and if there's somebody in your family who is typotic and rounded over in the upper back area, uh, if you know that your granny had a hip fracture, then, uh, then you know, this is giving you a clue uh, as to your future because a lot of times we don't think about these things until after the fact mm -hmm. and uh, you know for all these women who sail through the menopause we're still living without estrogen at the end of the day mm -hmm. saying that my mommy sailed through the menopause she oh. never knew this menopausal and i went completely one, it was early, but she was quite early. She was 40, 44, 45, and I was 39. So it was quite early for perimenopause and early menopause. And I just, I had the whole list and then added on, you know. One, one symptom that I never knew until I had menopause um, and readings through the list, it was called fermication. And he's literally feeling like ants are crawling up your legs. And that is what I was like, what is that? You know, <laughs> yes. So I had every symptom in a book, yet my mom had nothing. So we have to remember it's not just our mothers. We come with 50-50 baggage from uh, both sides of the family. And who knows from 50-50 from before that they did not even kind of, they got passed on to us, but they didn't necessarily manifest in generations before. So even if you don't have, um, you know, someone in your family who's hunched up. Yeah, yeah, well- I'm Looking in bad shape, shall we say, where it's nothing to pinpoint on it and they're, they're all together. You don't know really what you inherit. So it is, mm. it is healthy to have a bit of estrogen. Yeah. I do like when I see patients in women coming clinic and they say, I want to do it naturally. I'm thinking, mm, how is that? <laughs> you know, no, you can't say too much. And but even then I would I would explain, I said, look, if you do get to a point where things don't get quite right and these are the symptoms and this is the sites you can look at, you know, and refer. Just come back to it, look at, look at it again because it's not going to hurt you. You can try it. Mm. And uh, I do encourage women a lot because it is this kind of 
I don't know, a bit of a um, hero type thing. I've gone through it, it's nothing. Um, and the consultant who, again, who did the update, she said uh, she hears women a lot saying, but you know, lots of women gone before me through it and I didn't have menopause so many, many years ago. And she said, yeah, so many, many years ago, women didn't live longer than 30, 35 because they died, a lot of them, in childbirth. So how are you comparing the past with the present when actually we are alive because of more medication of more treatments and different lifestyles? So, well, yeah. and that's it. You know, women are not just living longer, but we're living productive lives, working lives uh, for a whole lot exactly. longer. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, the days of giving up work when you went when you were pregnant and had children, that, that day is gone. Uh, yes. And so now we're trying to hold our own in the workplace and that, so there's no comparison whatsoever with no. those previous generations. And you know, you're right, it's, it's, it's uh, tempting to think that, uh, you know, I wear a badge, I did it without estrogen. But um, in the region of 30% will we'll go on to have uh, significant amounts of bone loss 30% of women might be classed as fast bone losers. We don't know who's going to, who's in that bracket. We, you know, we don't wow. know if it is or not. So in the absence of knowing, um, and mm. with sort of prevention is better than cure hat on, we know that it's not possible for every woman, but to, to think that, you know, doing it the hard way, it's not a tough mudder, is it? It's not just a weekend jaunt. It's years, five to seven yeah. years of our lives. You know, for me personally, I had about five years, starting at 45. Actually, I was 51 when I had my last period. And uh, and so that's six years, if your maths uh, adds up. And those were six years that I think I would quite like back because yeah. I was living through them. It was a little bit like being on, uh, on a treadmill every day, feeling like you were not living you are existing and I, you know and, and i wouldn't i don't yes. want that for any other human because it was it was not fun and now with the uh you know patch on the back of me uh yeah it's it's a whole nother day and a whole nother dawn you know i think do your homework know your exactly. facts and, yes. and find, you know, maybe the first person, the first professional you speak to, maybe not the right professional, maybe not the mm -hmm. person who's just been on the update. Uh, yeah. you know, so keep looking and, uh, you know, be your own advocate. Inform yourself. Information is power. And, uh, you know, and if you're in any doubt, listen to our podcast. How about that? Yes. There is a British Menopause Society can uh, women can have a look there is an international menopause society and the endocrine society is, is all to do with hormones um, they have a lot of information there are a lot of sites a lot of informed places where you can go and find out more and yeah you're right don't stop searching don't stop looking don't just stop with the first person just you know, and, and, and know that the risks are different for different people. Exactly. You know, if you have um, digestive issues, for instance, mm -hmm. if you have absorption issues, um, 
then your risk is greater. Your risk of bone loss, I'm talking specifically about, yeah. is greater. Yeah. Uh, if you have taken uh, long, prolonged doses of steroids, your risk is oh, greater. Oh, definitely. Alcohol, more than three units a day. What's a unit again? I forget. <laughs> it's a small glass of wine. It's a small glass of wine. I tell you the one that uh, I would be bereaved. I can I can cope with the wine part of it, um, but it's the caffeine which I find difficult. And am I right to think that actually we lose calcium? Is that right through yeah. taking too much caffeine? Yeah, caffeine leaches calcium alcohol. Oxalates oxalates is something you find in uh, spinach as it goes. Um, oh. Yeah, so we're supposed to wilt our spinach to, okay. uh, yeah, to reduce the, uh, the amounts of oxalates. And I, I suppose you, you do have to eat quite a lot of spinach, but you know what? I love spinach and I eat quite a lot of it. <laughs> so, so I have taken to wilting it. It's quite nice, actually. And then you can even, you can even eat more of it. So that's <laughs> Know these uh, curious facts. I love curious facts like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, caffeine, alcohol, uh, digestive issues. There's lots of things that uh, contribute, you know, in the broadest sense to our overall health. And uh, yeah. I think most of those, probably apart from the spinach one, are lifestyle factors that we know probably we, we would do better to have less of. Yeah. Um, but then it's still beneficial to have a glass of red wine, isn't it? Or any wine, I think it was proven. Yeah, the antioxidants, yeah. which actually, when it comes to heart disease, uh, reduces the heart disease. So this is such a fine balance. It is. Uh, you know, the thing. The only thing I always am curious about is who paid for the research. Because what we do know is that there is bias yeah. in research. And so mm -hmm. interrogating these sources. And, and I mean, this was the thing where it went wrong in the beginning with this HRT uh, yeah. debacle. This is where it all went wrong because, uh, you know, the research was flawed. And so this happens. Interrogating research is not the specialist area of the man or woman on the street, is it? It's, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's difficult. But yeah. if you just look who funded the research, for one, that might just yeah. be as to the biases, uh, mm. the chocolate companies that fund the research that tell us how good chocolate is, for instance. So, <laughs> you know, and good quality, 70% or, or more cocoa solids. Oh, Maybe yes. there are some beneficial antioxidants contained within that kind of chocolate. But, um, you know, not all chocolate is equal. Same as, same as wine, you know, not all wine mm. is equal. And if you're talking yes. sulfates and sulfites, and it's jam-packed full of sulfites, you know, you've got to weigh it up, haven't you? Which is, which yes. is anyway, we're going off at a tangent. I know, we are, we are, we are. <laughs> we're learning more and more all the time, and there is more mm. research to be done. But for the, for the most part, right now, what we do know is that there are beneficial health protective qualities that we yes. can receive as a result of hormone replacement therapy and so it's worth considering where that fits into your health future thank you so much for your expertise i really appreciate that you came along and, and shared this 
this expertise with us. It's a pleasure. And, uh, you know, and we'd love to see you again. If there's anything else that people think they'd love to ask Serena, um, maybe in a month or six weeks' time, she could make another appearance. So thanks so much, Serena. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for your It's a pleasure.